Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I am your host, Lisa Woolfork, joining you from Charlottesville, Virginia. And as I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode, I am talking with none other than Nzoma Samuel Anyawu, who joins us from Nigeria via Atlanta, Georgia. We are fortunate to have Uzoma Samuel with us today because he is an incredible artist who is here for a limited time in the U.S. And not only have I spoken with him one time, he was so generous and flexible to speak again with the Stitch Please podcast. So thank you so much, Uzoma. Thank you so much for being with us today. We are so grateful to have you and welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's always a pleasure speaking with you all and all that, sharing and learning together. Thank you. I'm going to drop a photo in here, y'all. This is a wonderful episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, you get to see some stunning images of Uzoma Samuel's work, including Uzoma's first quilt. Now, I know many of you are thinking, why do I want to see somebody's first quilt? This is like no one's first quilt you have ever seen before. This first quilt was so stunning that it ended up being on display at the Modern Quilt Guild's Quilt Con in Atlanta, Georgia in February of 2023. No one's first quilt ends up at a jury quilt show. Like, it's not something that often happens, but it did happen in this case. And when you see the quilt, you will understand why. This is a pretty small image of this quilt, but it is part of the display that the Quilt Con themselves did looking at this quilt that Uzoma's created called Crowned with Care. And it yes. is a gorgeous quilt of neighborhood children working to braid another child's hair. And there's something about the community spirit, the capacity for creativity, the love and intimacy between these children. All of that shines through so marvelously through this quilt. It is really something very, very special. And I'm so glad to have you here, Uzoma, to talk with us about it once again. There's a short picture up there. And then let me show you this other picture that I love as well. This is a picture of us, Uzoma and I, standing in front of the quilt, taking pictures of ourselves in front of his quilt at QuiltCon. Yeah. It was such a wonderful, long weekend. But I would love to hear you talk about Crowned with Care in your own words. Can you talk a bit about the piece, where it came from, what inspired you to create in this way? Thank you for having me, Lisa. This is always a pleasure talking to people about my work. And then uh, the more I talk about it, the more I learn a lot. And then people's reactions and uh, how they meet my work. And then um, so we just keep sharing the stories about Crown with Care, the images that came together, the composition of the work of my first quilt. It started from what I discussed with Sarah, the coordinator of uh, the Sewing Academy in Auckland. Yes. 
So about that's about two years plus ago. And then we are just talking about what we can do for Quidcon. Yes. You know, so we looked at a lot of images first as I do photography and then it complements my painting or my collage fabric work. So most of my works come from the compositions from my camera. Those children also have been part of the documentary project I did in some kind of rural settings, you know, courts, yards in Africa, in Nigeria. And uh, if I have to just uh, make a little introduction about all that, if you look at those photographs, I didn't actually put those children together to do all that stuff. It came naturally. Yes. You see, they are very much relaxed. They are not tense. It was taken unaware and all that. So, and that is the beauty of when you're doing such kind of composition. So, you know, literally it shows that togetherness of people in a place. If I may highlight the current issues that is playing out in my country currently now, especially in Lagos, where there's some kind of a tribal, no discrimination and all that. So you see that these children, the photograph was taken in Lagos. I think these children may not even have been of the same tribe, might just be from different tribes and all that. But anything racism and tribal discrimination is taught. But as children, they work together. So it's something that parents should try their best to let their children be free of this kind of uh, discriminations and all that. So we have a better world when we share together. You see, some of those children, sometimes they go out, their parents, and they come back with a whole lot of installations on them. They've made their hair, they've done a lot of things. Their friends did all that free of charge, you know, so it doesn't cost anything. Exactly. It's like you did not have your hair braided when you left the house this morning Uh, and now you're home with a head full of braids. Where did that come from? Yeah, sure. So it's such that sharing, it comes from the heart, you know, when these things are not the matter of tribal discrimination is not in them actually, you know, so... I go further a little, I have to mention just that this particular part didn't come to play in the Quilcon, but the work drew attention of my university, University of Portacourt, and a professor in my department, a professor of art history, wrote extensively on this work. Oh, this is wonderful. Yes. So, oh, that's amazing. Yes. I would love to get a copy of that article if you can share information on it. I can share with you because I'm looking forward to anywhere it can be published. Yes. I have sent a copy to Sarah. Yes. And she's also looking to an avenue to publish alongside because he has been instrumental and in uh, working with me, studying my work and then seeing a lot of things. In 2011, when some of my images, then I used to shoot a lot of images, documents, environment, and all that. So my work won an exhibition in Mali, Bamako. Okay. So he traveled down there. Wow. His name is Professor Frank Ogiomo. Okay. From University of Port Harcourt in River State. I will make sure to get his details. So that we can include, acknowledge, you know, the name of the article, his name in university, yes. and ideally a link to the piece itself. I because will. I think that would be really wonderful to have. I because will. one of the things that you described so beautifully is the organic nature of your work. That yes. when you are a documentary photographer, you don't set up shots. You observe. 
you are quiet and still and you observe and you happen to observe this beautiful act of creativity that gets to kind of encapsulate children before they've been socialized into bias, before they've been socialized into the type of beliefs that keep people separate rather than together. You're right. And I think that's so beautifully done. Now, you were explaining that you come from a very rich family tradition of creativity, that this is in some ways part of, I think you described it as a genetic inheritance of creativity. Yes. Can you talk a bit yes. about your creative background and what you learned from your family and how that shapes your artwork? My coming into fabric art is a kind of a genetic endowment from my mother. I can always say that because she had been a fashion designer all her life. So my sisters also took that part. We are four in numbers, one guy and three sisters. So after my art school, coming back home, I was just left with maybe joining them, but I couldn't compete doing fashion sewing and all that as a man and all that. I now started looking at how I can play with fabrics, involve them in my art. <laughs> and that majorly started in 2012, precisely. I made some first fabric works in 2012. But before then, I have been involving fabric or paper collage, just manipulating things, even in school. And then I went to do my industrial attachment. That was in 2009. Then I wasn't living in Lagos, but I had to travel from the city where I lived to Lagos. And I was attached to an artist who uses fabric also to make his work, but uses paint on them. And then you could, when you get closer, you could now see some fabric display on the painting and all that. His name is George Edozier. So I served under him for six months. All that added to me on how this fabric thing was being used. Right. I think uh, earlier on too, as a child in the home where everyone is a fashion designer and I would be toying with some of the uh, fabric scraps, you know, even when I would be told to clean up the shops and all that. So uh, <laughs> some of them, I don't really throw them away because in African fabric, have a lot of designs and all that. Sometimes I pack some to one place and I can toy with them. All that gave me the earliest appreciation of art, which I didn't know I would end up becoming a fabric artist. I've had a huge connection with fabrics all this way growing up. And it's interesting because you talk about this. When one looks at your work, you draw fabrics from all over. They are fabrics that come from the continent that might be, you know, created or manufactured in Nigeria, in Lagos. And yet there's also fabrics that get imported from around the world and yes. come into Lagos as well. Can you talk about the connection between using fabrics that are not native to your region, but also pull together from all around the world? Because sometimes that can be good and it can also be bad. Like, is there too much? I don't know. How do you deal with the balance of working with the materials that you have to sweep up from your sister's shops? And there's all these different pieces that are left over there, but there's also pieces that come from outside. Working with fabric is a huge project entirely. I keep telling fabric artists that having experience from photography, drawing and painting, 
then coming into fabric is not a new medium to me. It's just an extension of what I do with camera. Yeah. So now working with diverse fabrics, varieties coming from everywhere have been my passion because of my interest in making sure we have a good, sustainable world. I decided to work with scraps. And this came because of how I've been involved in cleaning my mom's shop, working with my elder sister, sometimes at home in her shop. And every time I go to visit her shop, I have to take up their trash and then take fabrics from there and make sure they don't throw them away indiscriminately. So yes. now working with them is a huge project because these things comes together and you'll be looking at them and sometimes they create confusion <laughs> in the artist's mind and head. Even when you have a lot of ideas and inspiration running, but how to get started is a problem. But the simplified way I have been able to spend time researching on them, selecting them and all that. So is to first of all, categorize these fabrics first <laughs> of all. When you categorize them, when you create them in colors and all that, so you begin to see values. Something begins to happen gradually. And then from there, you can begin to minus plus and pick whatever you want to pick. Virtually every fabrics need to be in your work, but not at the same time. You see, when you are working with varieties, your work becomes very rich. Yeah, if you look yeah, yeah. at my work, it's difficult to count the number of fabrics, the number of cuts I put in here because I really work with large varieties of fabrics. And this is important because I've been able to define globalization with my work in yes. terms of all this fabric coming from different places, not only Nigeria, India, China, Vietnam, yes. most of the countries that are into fabric making and all that. If you see some of the things I do tell people, I've also been able to categorize these fabrics and um, I have been able to, if I can read out some things, that uh, fabric, the way I see them as the medium, some of them are the medium in paintings, non-verbal communication tools. Yes. Fabrics have been able to blow some of our religious barriers. Fabrics have artistic heritage items and fabric also as decorative materials. Fabric as heritage documents for posterity. So fabric blurring religious barrier majorly is where I am concerned because somehow also I grew up in a religious home and all this time when we go to church, our mamas, especially like the Women International Day that is celebrated. Yes. Even a few days ago in my country, they celebrated Mother's Day. You see in the church, the mothers comes up with exotic fabrics that are shining, glittering, well-designed yes. and all that with all that motifs. These are religious people, church who believe in Jesus Christ, but most of those fabrics are not designed by Christians. So let's pay attention oh. to this. You begin to see how connected the Christians are with Buddhists and some other religious practice, but religious people who design these fabrics, they are not thinking about Jesus. They are using some kind of motifs 
symbols and pictorial representations on those fabrics. And they sell them into the markets. And Nigerians who are churchgoers buy them and like, oh, we love this. Some of them are used for women's uniform. These are the things I have noticed and I've been studying and it's part of my work. And which, when you look at the facial representation of my work, why I do a lot of portraits with those fabrics is that I want all those things to be displayed. One yes. person accumulates all. We can live in a world whereby whatever you practice, be in peace with everyone. You know, this is what fabric have been able to do. If anyone shows up in anywhere where there's a gathering and all that without putting on clothes, the person will not be admitted into the place. Everyone would think the person has a problem. So yes. fabric is one item that connects all humanities. It has not really gotten that attention it needed because it's a common item anyone can pick anywhere. Yes. But my work, I've been able to, and I'm still working to show to the world that we have to begin to appreciate our fabrics much more. We have to begin to recognize and honor fabric artists. They should be recognized and given that respect and honor like other artists who paint, sculptors, yes. do get. Yes. You know, if we struggle so much in the school um, doing fabric work, especially textile, it's always regarded as craft work. And then oh. what is craft work? Yeah, it looks like if you are doing early time when I did some of my first paintings of uh, fabrics and all that, the galleries I took them to were like, no, 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 this is craft. We need fine art work. That kind of discrimination yes. comes when a lot of fabric artists do their work and all that. So it looks like it's not a work of art. But I love what is happening now and what QuidCon is doing and what Black Women's Teach, you guys are doing great work because over the years, our mamas, our aunties that have been instrumental to the production of fabric work, embroidery work, tapestry, and all kinds of sewing and all that, so have not really gotten the respect and honor they needed. So this is about my work, that fabric is that common item that connects all humans. I think that is so beautiful. Black Women Stitch in the Stitch Please podcast is grateful for all the support that made So Black possible. Special thanks to our underwriters, Spoonflower. Thanks also to Moda for generous sponsorship. Thank you, Bernina, for your wonderful support. Thank you also to Amtrak for partnering with us. Special thanks to those who shared resources to equip the space. This includes AccuQuilt, Aurifil, Crimson Tate, So Easy, Ruby Star Society, Free Spirit Fabrics, Kai Scissors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Special thanks to Focusrite for making the live recording possible through the donation of an audio interface, the Focusrite 18i8. Thanks to the Bridge PAI for the initial funding, and thanks also to the Modern Quilt Guild for their generous support. Thank you all so much for making this possible. I love this idea because you know what it reminds me of? When you think about the way that fabric 
can be, as you said, part of your sustainable practice, that there's all of these little scraps and we're not going to throw them away. We're going to use them in to make art. It also reminds me of the ways in which fabric or fiber art can sometimes, as you said, face a type of discrimination that, oh, no, no, this doesn't count as quote unquote fine art. This is craft, as if craft is not a vital process, as if craft itself is not something that people devote a lifetime to having the craft of their work be as good as it can possibly be. And it reminds me of the photograph that began your crowned in care quilt, where the children were able to come together in community because they had not yet been socialized into bias and into separation Similarly, if one were to look at the art that you are creating and to look at the art from a fiber and fabric perspective, that too is fine. It too is an elegant and really powerful, creative endeavor. And I think it is only a type of discrimination that puts somehow working with fabric in a certain way does not somehow meet a standard of artistic excellence. And that is false. It is clearly a falsehood. Like you prove this regularly. And I just wanted to look at this image right here. Uh This one from the yellow scarf quilt, which is extraordinary. Is this one of the examples you were speaking of? I think this is a piece from 2018. Can you talk about this stunning image that we're looking at here? Oh, thank you. This is the first yellow scarf I did. And um, because the yellow, I reside in Lagos and we see a lot of yellow buses. Yellow is actually the color of Lagos, you know. So like in every city, they have some colors which they use for transportation and all that. In Lagos, it's always very vibrant because of the energy of the people. It's a place that never gets to sleep much, you know. (laughs) So the yellow talks about the vibrancy of the city. And they are not just the yellow scarf. It's Yellow Scarf CC Eco Series. Eco means Lagos. Oh, excellent. Okay. So CC can always mean the lady. You know, we call ladies CC. Okay. So it's Lagos lady. Lagos is also the heart that represents Nigeria. This is just a typical Nigerian woman. They always wrap their hair and then they look and posture. This is coming from a composed image from a model because this time around, we just have to get into detail work of portraiture. Yes, yes. For the lighting, everything is controlled. But then bringing this study into using fabrics to make it a serious project with all that went in through it. I was just having fun doing this. <laughs> and this was exhibited in my first solo exhibition, my first solo exhibition in 2018, and which the Lagos State Governor came to see the show and some other works was taken into Lagos State Government. <gasps> okay. Wow. So now this piece is in a state government office? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that is wonderful. And now I'd love for you to talk a bit about the Nigerian government officials who came to see your work at QuiltCon. That was also incredibly exciting. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about that experience and what that was like? Yes. In Nigeria, while I was preparing to travel down here, 
to the United States. This is my first visit. I'm excited that the first visit I'm coming to have an exhibition because always in Nigeria, we have dream of visiting the U.S. So as a creative, I've always dreamed of that. So while preparing to come to QuidCon, the Nigerian Consular General here visited Nigeria and in the gallery where she visited, I was there that day. And the gallery director, which is our mama, Nikki, so she owns the biggest gallery in West Africa. She called my attention and said, come on, Nigerian ambassador in Atlanta is here. You are going to Atlanta, right? Because I have told them I'm going to Atlanta. Right. I said, yes, I'm going to Atlanta. Oh, let me just tell her that you are coming. And that was how she made the connection. We shared the photograph and she saw the work. She said, oh my God, this work that she will find a way to be there. And so she kept to her promise. And when I came here, I got a message immediately that if you are in town, let me know the day I can come. I had to tell Sarah and Sarah had to discuss with the executive. So they gave her a day, they wrote her. That's okay. So, so there is good for us to take you around. And that was how she came representing Nigeria. I was so honored by that visit. All the images and videos have gone back to the country and they are expecting me to come around. I was supposed to meet her here before I go back, but it still worked very good that she traveled back to Nigeria and she's going to attend the opening of one of the biggest gallery also by this same Nikkei in the capital of Abuja. So while I'll be traveling also to meet up there because of the opening of the gallery, I have to be there. And one of my work, one of my old work, I painted Barack Obama some years back. It's a large piece that is with the gallery and the gallery have decided that they are going to unveil it there. So those are some of the works which I did, I was finding where to put energy. So I get some photographs and I will just work on them. But this particular work is so large. It's about 10 feet by 12 feet. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, yes. I've had a very exciting time after QuiltCon. So QuiltCon was very exciting. You were having a lot of really wonderful firsts. Your first quilt, amazing. First visit to the U.S., amazing. And then afterward. You had so many other journeys and lots of other learning. Can you talk a bit about learning or working on the long arm quilt machine with, I think it was Leah McCormick, I believe. You worked with her to learn more about long arming. And also you did some teaching. You did some workshops. So tell us about your own experience of working with people, trying to instruct them in your own technique and approaches, as well as learning new things. Thank you. While preparing to come, I had also made up my mind because it's an exchange. So coming here, I'm coming to meet artists. So I'm open up to learning and open up to also showing out what I do because a lot of people are becoming interested. So I can't really keep it all to myself. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot which I have not even reviewed. A lot of other things I do fabric sculptures. I have not shown that anywhere. I think it's good that if people are very much interested in this, then it's a good medium. It's a good artistic practice that I have been able to explore, which I can show to people. And the more I show to people, the more I learn new things. So basically, Lee took me on a residency when she heard my story that this is my first quote. 
and I don't have the machine yet. Back in Africa, we're still working to balance power and all that. So yes, and she took me to a residency in her home. I spent one good week. It was an amazing experience, you know, working on that long arm machine for the first time. I did, I think, two walks and uh, tried to cool them myself. And it was impressive. Sorry, I didn't provide the images here. Probably I'm going to send you something. Absolutely. Mm. No, no, no worries. No worries. I can absolutely find these images and I have seen them and I'm going to share one just very quickly. For those of you all who are on Patreon, you can see this image very shortly. I'm about to show it to you. Yeah. It's one of the pieces that Samuel worked on. Yes. During that week long residency. And again, it just to me, it shows how powerful your own artistic vision is. And by that, I mean, it's like when you give an artist a new set of tools with which to create, even if they are new to the art itself, the process and the outcome are going to create something incredible. So, y'all, I'm going to share this picture really quickly because I have it right nearby. And I think this is one of the pieces you were working on. This is a gorgeous image of someone's beautiful face. Can you talk about what this is, what this piece is doing? At what stage are you in this process when it's on the machine like that? Yes, I have just made a sketch of this because I still have photographs of some of the models I work with. This is the second one I did, but the first one was an imaginative piece, which I just put together on my Instagram. you see one that I was just laying very fast and all that. After that, we went on the machine and then I did the quilting. But this second one, it was drawn from an image and then I had to use the trash, some of the off-court pieces from a real yes. studio to put this together. And that is how we arrived here. It's really amazing because I think this might have been the first piece. Just give me a second to show it here. I believe this one is a little more abstract. I think it might be your very first, Triumph. the very first one that you worked on. I have it right here. It's amazing to me that this is your first time approaching a long arm machine because y'all look at this piece. You will not believe it either. I'm going to switch it out. Here's the other photo. This is incredible. It looks very much like we can see that you've got your hands on the long arm handles and you are sketching with thread. It looks like you are sketching with thread or outlining with thread. These yes. lovely face shapes, the very kind of abstract, almost like foundation of the pieces that you could build up a little bit later. I mean, it's really stunning. Thank you. And so as we start to wrap up, what can we expect from you next? You've had this wonderful time here in the U.S. If you mentioned the exchange, I am very grateful that you came here to share your resources, your creativity, all that you are doing with us, and then that you were able to receive something in exchange. And I think that is so beautiful. What can we expect from you in the future? How can we keep up with you? How can we find out what you're doing? How can we support you? Yes, seriously, that's an amazing question because it rings in my mind. What next? What am I going next to do? You know, so, but I have accumulated so much here, which will help to improve what I'm doing back home. I also got gifted on a lot of materials from people here during the workshop. Some of them were like, hey, Samuel, do you need fabric? We can gift you. Luana, first of all, gave me 
a bag of fabric, you know. So yes. she brought that during the QuillCon. So I saw the fabrics and the designs on the fabrics here is quite unique, which we also tell another stories when I used them all. And I made sure I packed them. I didn't do shopping for myself or any, you know, <laughs> I didn't bother going to shop to fill my bag or, you know, so, but those fabrics are the core things which I'm taking back home. I'm very much excited. I'm taking them back home. So expect something that I'm going to create with them to tell some kind of story of the collaboration, the cross country and all that I have seen will impact on the new works. I will be sharing details. Even while I'm in my studio back in Lagos, once in a while, I'll share details from my page and then keep you all updated. Thank you. We would absolutely love that. And we are also going to get that information from you about the article about your work, about the person who was a mentor to you, some details about that first solo show in 2018. These are all things we want to find out more about. Yes. I have one last question. The slogan of the Stitch Please podcast is that we will help you get your stitch together. Mm help you get your stitch together. What advice do you have for our listeners today, Uzoma Samuel, to help us get our stitch together? First of all, before the advice, anyone who is spreading information as such as this should be listening to, should be given all the time and the right and every attention they deserve. You deserve so much. Black women's stitch should be celebrated highly. I'm advising all that are listening to make sure they don't miss any episode because <laughs> you bring the best. You really bring the best. I was amazed that there's a group of you guys like this propagating the gospel of what people are doing. On my own little skill, I just came with what I'm doing back then. You appreciated it you scaled it up and a lot of people informed. So it's great. Thank you very much and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. And on that note, Uzoma Samuel, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a true and full gift. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day. You've been listening to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week for stories that center Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. We invite you to join the Black Women Stitch Patreon community with giving levels beginning at $5 a month. Your contributions help us bring the Stitch Please podcast to you every week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together. 